Welcome back to Radar, the only music podcast showcasing the creative output here at ICMP. In each episode, we're joined by artists, students, and industry professionals to take an in-depth look into their musical journey, as well as the projects that they're passionate about. I'm James Arlington, I'm an artist and producer, and in this episode, I'm joined by Killian Gleamus, a London-based gig promoter, artist booker, and talent manager. Through his company, Somber Discos, Killian puts on a variety of genres at venues across London and Brighton, and we spent some time together talking about how it all began. Killian, thank you for joining me this afternoon. No worries at all, sir. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you. Uh, you describe yourself as a, a promoter, artist booker, and talent manager. Yeah, I mean, add three or four more titles to that for all the <laughs> freelance stuff that I do. But so, uh, yeah, primarily, that's what I hope to be when I'm old and decrepit. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Somba Discos is kind of your, your main uh, project at the moment. Absolutely. It, it, is, it is my little child I've been nurturing for the last, uh, last couple of months. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit more about what you guys do? Yeah, sure thing. So it's I kind of bill it as like a uh, it's a boutique musical events company. So you know, obviously, events is is fairly broad. I try and add the word music in there as the priority is kind of you know um, small scale gigs or launch parties, acoustic nights, festivals, that sort of thing. Um, so anything you know to get people and artists and musicians in a space with their fans and, and newcomers to play their music, get their art out there is, is really what we like to focus on, kind of champion the people that are new to the scene and maybe aren't quite sure how to do it, how to go about filling a room with people and, and putting their music on. And, you know, we, we try and bring these things together and also encourage people to kind of learn how to do it themselves so they can go on and, and you know, have all the success they, they so rightly deserve. Yeah, cool. And you've been doing this sort of uh, under Samba Discos for sort of half a year now, I think? Yeah, we're coming up. I'm trying to think. We started trading in like December. So yeah, six, six, seven months now. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's let's go back to sort of where this all began. How would you say you got into music growing up and sort of your inspirations in that sort of sense? I think my dad um, would just always kind of have music on in the background. I distinctly remember... Um, almost like a mixtape. It was the Killian songs on a CD that used to, to go everywhere with us when we used to travel. It had everything mm. from uh, Blink-182 to um, uh, Gwen Stefani, I'm pretty sure Oasis was on there. We had Crazy Town, which probably admittedly shouldn't have been listening to at that age. But <laughs> um, no, it was just this real eclectic mix of punk rock and pop, rap, hip-hop, kind of, you know, Brit-pop, all that kind of, you know, the stuff that has really sort of informed the music that I listen to now and it was just always kind of something that I had um growing up I know um multiple holidays to Europe I'd always come back with like a ukulele and I used to write sort of uh silly little songs and that sort of thing there was one my uh my mum has been begging me to sort of um rewrite and release for years it was all song about like the concept of you know what if what if uh babies were in charge of like world democracy <laughs> you know not they're not at the minute but um you know it was all these ridiculous lyrics about we'd only have like uh formula and baby food and that kind of stuff and it was just silly little things like that that kind of kept my love of music going um and then I sort of fell out with it for for, for a couple of years and got more into the kind of world of acting and stage and that sort of stuff and then fell out again with that because I'm very indecisive but yeah. um Sort of during the last couple of years, or you know, we all kind of had infinitely more time on my hands. I um, I got back into songwriting about a year before, and then sort of with nothing to do all day, I was like, yeah, I'll start taking this a little bit more seriously. And then it was just kind of a slow and steady trip to 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 sort of move to London to try and be an artist initially. I think we sort of share that mindset of not keeping all your eggs in one basket. No, absolutely not. It's uh, 
I'm a I'm like a I'm like a fiery wreck of of uh, of, of different things <laughs> that I that I do in a week. Um, but no, it's 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 good to to occupy lots of different roles and try things out because you never know you know sort of what you're going to be good at i mean you know take me for example i moved to london a couple of years ago simply like yep no i'm going to be i'm going to be a rock star and this is this is my lot in life and then i ended up becoming a folk artist so you mm. know how, how how do we figure that but um no so it was all you know first first year was really just about trying to write more music and 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 you know be this singer songwriter sort of thing and um you know like we all do made made lots of silly silly decisions um and all kinds of stuff and just had this summer i was kind of like do i really want to be a songwriter i know i want to be in music um and then sort of uh, would have been september of 2022 um we were getting ready for sort of the new freshers freshers week of uni and i was kind of looking forward to, to a new year um and sort of seeing what we could make of it and then i had uh had the person who who uh, was running this pub that I worked at kind of approach me um, about putting a bit of a, a festival together, and I think that was kind of sort of the start of of, of my journey into events and kind of almost the the, the birth of Samba Discos. Yeah, I mean, I think what sets you apart and a lot of other promoters apart at the moment is um, the fact that you've sort of had that musical upbringing and that that musical background prior to getting into events yeah. management. Uh, you're you're studying events management now as well mm-hmm. in terms of your degree. How do you think that uh, the activities that you're working on at the minute uh, have sort of shaped the way that that Somber Discos runs now? I mean, I spent a lot of time uh, sort of volunteering and working within the kind of grassroots sector, which is definitely where where we sort of sit at the moment. Artists that are just getting into music and just discovering themselves, finding their feet, finding their scene, um, and working with all these you know people that have spent the last sort of five, six, seven years, you know, kind of working away at the, the you know the small underground venues, the back of pub rooms, trying to get their sounds heard. It's informed a lot of the way that I go about thinking about how how do we book artists for shows, how do we put shows on, where do we put these shows on, how do we engage with that audience that that that, that engages with grassroots music and then help them get to that sort of next step of their career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's talk a bit more about the specifics of uh, Somber Disco. Sure. Uh, in terms of the sort of genres you put on, the types of acts you put on, obviously you're working a lot in the grassroots venues across London and now Brighton. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you sort of got your foot in the door with some of those venues? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was it was kind of a strip and a, a, a trip and a, t- a stumble, really. Um, I like I said, the sort of first thing was was just running like a small scale little uh, air quotes folk festival um, for the pub that I worked at. It was sort of uh, this thing that had been wanting to be planned for about six eight months, and then about two weeks before, my manager goes, "Oh, Killian, you you know some musicians, right?" I was like, "Well, I mean, yeah." He's like, "Oh, do you want to you know book some people for the festival?" I was like, "Yeah, sure. You know, I'll just you know I'll, I'll um I'm happy to take it over and 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 do it." Thinking, "Oh, you know, surely surely it's been planned to a degree." No, we had two weeks to go. We needed all of the acts, <laughs> all the equipment, the budgeting, the promotion, marketing material. It was like it's the way it goes. It's, honestly, I don't know what he thought was going to happen magically in two weeks, but um, we managed to pull it together. Um, and not really having a lot of time to promote, we pulled like sort of 60 to 80 students um, who were sort of already studying at the university as well as 
you know, pulling crowds over from the bar area and on the street. And it was, you know, it was quite a fun little little event. We had a guy from Rough Trade Records shop just randomly on the street. So it was it was mm. fun. And I really got into all the like admin and emailing and all the pulling stuff together. Um and so from there that sort of became the, you know, a, a venue that I that I used a lot for for doing various different activities and that sort of thing. And then um as I started to study on the event management degree and start sort of um enhancing my my skill set and my knowledge base and doing sort of you know field trips and stuff to other venues I started kind of getting out there and and, and speaking to people like um perfect example I I months before I was I was thinking anything events wise I went to a lovely little venue called the West Hampstead Arts Club to see a, a friend do her EP launch there mm. and brilliant little venue and I really liked it um and ended up coming back a couple of months later to to, to play a show right near the time that I was just starting out some of the discos and I got chatting to the venue owner and was kind of like, yeah, I'm, you know, songwriting on the side, but, you know, events and, and gigs and promoting is really my passion. And he was like, oh, well, you know, I've been in your position. I've been doing this now for like 30, 40 years. I really like the the passion that you've got about it. Why don't you come do a show here? Um, and we had our first big sort of headline show for a fantastic artist uh, called Natsuma there. Um, and it was it was just a really fun experience of working in like a proper venue with you know a sound check and a and a, and a, a sound engineer and all this kind of stuff. Um, and it you know it, it's been a really exciting endeavor. I'm still in contact with the venue. We've still got lots of stuff planned and that sort of thing. But I think a lot of it in terms of like you were saying, how do you sort of find these venues? How do you build these relationships? It's it's a lot about, and it's something I really talk to to artists about when they're asking, you know, about how how do I find my scene within London? How do I know where to go to play and find the kind of music that I'm going to like? It's it's a lot about experimentation, um, trying things out, going to new areas of the city, trying out new venues that you haven't gone to before. And after a while, you'll get to the point where actually somebody could stop you on the street and go, you know, name your favourite three venues in London. And when you get to the point that you can just instantly rattle them off inside of, you know, five, ten seconds, you'll know that actually those three venues are the places where you go to find the artists that you want to go see and collaborate mm. with and that's the space you want to play. And that's that's a lot of how I do my sort of talent scouting for the artists that I work with as well. There's a couple of venues and and promoter friends of mine that operate within a, you know, a, a, smaller, a smaller remit of venues within London that I'm constantly at because I know that A, the talent level is going to be high and B, it's going to be of a very similar genre to the stuff that I kind of know how to promote and sell. And so I find myself frequenting places knowing that it's 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 going to be what I'm looking for. I mean, I suppose on the flip side, how can an artist approach Sombodiscos in terms of wanting to put an event on or wanting to work with you? I mean, honestly, I'm I'm only ever uh, an Instagram DM and an email away. I'm a, I'm a type one diabetic as well, so I've always, I've always, I've got a little scanner app on my phone. So literally, my mobile never ever leaves my hip. So if you message me at two p.m. or two a.m., there's a good chance you're going to get a reply within about thirty <laughs> seconds. Um, but no, honestly, like we are the 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 big ethos and the attitude behind my company is that I you know there's so many promoters that are really hard to speak to in London or, or groups that are really kind of not prestigious but more I guess exclusive is the word that I'm looking for that are kind of harder you have to know someone who knows someone who knows someone who has an email that might work to get a phone number that could potentially work to even have a chance to speak to them let alone get a show booked with them mm, yeah. with us um, we're on Instagram there's an email um, and I give out my number every time I have a drink sort of thing. So, you know, we're, 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 we're very friendly, very approachable. That's, that's the way that we really try to be. But yeah, I mean, 
it depends what you're looking for as well. If you, you know, if you if you're someone who is really just kind of starting out and and wants to just play a couple of different acoustic nights and and kind of get a feel and get some recommendations on where you should be playing in terms of even open mics. Like again, I've I've been to so many of them around the city. I'm happy to hand out that advice, but give some of our smaller nights. If if you're an artist with a bit more of a profile or a bit more traction gaining and and you have you know a consistent fan base of people that come to your shows, then you know we have we have tailored band nights of like specific genres where it's just kind of a open to all uh, a sort of a no headliner kind of slot three bands playing equally um you put on one of those nights if you have something specific coming up like say a single launch or an ep launch then we get into the more kind of you know boutique side of of of, of what we do of the business you know we'll sit down we'll have a coffee we'll talk about you know what sort of genres would you identify with? What kind of venues do you like? Have you got any dream venues you want to play? And then we start creating this list of ideas on support acts, potential venues, times of year. And then, you know, that's all the kind of like the baseline stuff that most promoters do really. But the way I, I like to try and elevate myself and the company, because, you know, there's lots of other promoters that could do that. We really try to think about, you know, kind of visuals and decoration and how we market the event. You know, mm. we can take a something I really love doing is taking kind of plain rooms and making them into venues, getting in lots of gear and backline and that sort of thing to really create a space that becomes your own and then think about, you know, what kind of decorations do we want to get in? Do we want sort of lots of vines, nature, tea lights, candles to make it really kind of like homely and connected to nature? Do you want to get some, you know, graffiti works in old sort of like torn down posters and workers rebellion type of thing if you're going for like a bit of an edgier punk sort of attitude towards your gig? At this level, you know, it's it's all well and good to to have to have a show, even to have a sold out show, but to make it really sort of visually unique and something that looks great in pictures and videos for content across Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, um, that's going to be something that really you know starts drawing more fans to your shows and also more industry interest because in a world where everyone can release and go out and play gigs, you've got to find a way to stand out. And I think really one of the big key areas to do that in is to have a really excellent live show that also looks really visually interesting and stands out from yeah. the rest. I think especially for an independent artist who's maybe on the come up, uh, a, a good live show can be sort of the one of the key factors of, of marketing yourself and presenting yourself to a new audience. You've done some collaborative shows with some other promoters as well over the past couple of months. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, so the, the show we did... Um, I did at the West Hampstead Arts Club with Nat Suma was was a uh, was um, a promotion with a friend of mine called Luca runs a company called Rezo Events, um, and that was a really interesting experience to kind of bring a lineup together of different artists that we had sort of found individually and bring together on the lineup to kind of you know join forces and see how it all works because we're both just sort of you know starting out within the industry and it was a it was a really good sort of lesson in 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 how to kind of work collaboratively and bring different kind of uh, attitudes and um sort of visual aesthetics and things together um on uh on 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 a project sort of thing i mean just the other day i was i was i was helping to work on a gig with with sort of shane beals the, the head of the ba songwriting um and you know on a, on, a, on a gig that was all his kind of brainchild that i was there to just kind of help and go here's here's some things to think about and and uh you know how to kind of draw crowds in and again make a, a really sort of visually interesting show so i think collaboration is you know so long as you've got the right kind of size of show um and you and you have the right amount of responsibilities to the point where one person isn't pulling 80 percent of the weight and it's it's truly a kind of neck and neck half and half um 
collaborative effort, then then you know working with other players in the industry is great. It helps you know support each other. You both are kind of on the rise up, um, and it's you know it's 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 good for sort of developing those those healthy working relationships you all need to have within an industry because actually once you're here you'll start to realize everybody kind of knows everyone so mm-hmm. you've always got to be on best behavior and 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 not be someone that people don't want to work with yeah that makes definitely. sense uh in terms of the stuff that you're doing sort of outside of somber discos yeah. you've done some work with islington radio as well mm-hmm. putting on some acoustic showcases yeah um every monday uh we run a little free entry acoustic night it's a it's a really good way to kind of you know, develop your live craft, try out some new songs uh, on a kind of audience that maybe haven't heard you before or um, just to sort of try out new things, experiment a little bit. It's a really great kind of gateway into the into the sort of the world of live music and a great sort of place for, for you to kind of showcase your music to, to sort of to me and the company as well and then start to think about, you know, the people that are really ready for that sort of next level of live show. If you can, you know, prove it to me at, at 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 an acoustic showcase where it's just kind of you and the guitar really stripped back with an audience that you know you kind of have to win over, then that's you know the the people that really are able to kind of shut down a room. That's that's when you know me and and all industry people really will go, wow, that's that's someone worth keeping an eye on. Mm. For artists that are maybe worried about putting on a gig simply because they don't think that they're going to sell enough tickets. Yeah. Obviously, we've said earlier that collaboration is really important to ensure that you find the appropriate venues for the artists and and sort of the right genres to put on in those venues. What yeah. advice would you give to those artists that maybe have that fear that they they may not be seen by the audiences that they want to be seen by? And how how do you combat that with Somber Discos? It's always it's always a struggle to to sell tickets initially. Um, I mean, you know, having sort of clever marketing tips and, and, and good strategies and that sort of thing, you know, creating like something that I've been working with on, on um, so I've been developing for, for an upcoming gig is, is sort of like a video trailer showcasing previous live clips and, and that sort of thing um, of, of the artists that are playing and kind of sharing that around socials um, is, is always a great thing. But, but also kind of valuing your own sort of self-worth and not being shy to, to sort of talk about a gig and, and do more than just sort of put stuff on your story or do post, you know, message people and go, hey, you know, if you're free on this day, I'm, I'm, I'm playing a gig, you know, it'd be, it'd be great to have to, to have you there. Um, you know, this is a, a really good opportunity for me, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, further to that, you know, I mean, making sure that we've 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 built the correct lineup where there is a kind of genuine shared interest amongst all the kind of artists and the genres that we're putting on is is really crucial. A lot of times, you tend to find that people who follow maybe the headliner or the main support will kind of check out the opener if they're tagged on the poster, that sort of thing, and kind of go, "Oh, that's really interesting," and then they'll start sharing it around their friends and maybe a friend that wasn't perhaps 100% dead set on going, discovers the music of this new act and goes, oh, actually, I you know, I really, really like that, maybe most, more so than the headliner or the main support and is then there for that artist a lot mm. of the time. Building off of pre-established fan bases on the people that you collaborate with is is a really great way to to, to build your following and, and you know, get, those, get those all-important ticket sales in. Yeah, just to come back to collaboration, I mean, we've mm-hmm. worked together, on a, I've done a bit of design work for you yeah. in the past. Uh, what advice would you give just in terms of creatives reaching out to each other and just saying, hey, this is what I do, uh, I've got the, I've got this skill set, how can I help you and how can we work together? How's that been for you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a similar attitude, I'd say, to, to, to musicians who really have, have developed their craft, live craft and know they put on a good show, is just don't be shy about it, you know, as long as you've got a really good portfolio you know, glowing reviews or at least kind of like um, 
you know, good, good, good words said from your your clients about mm. your work, sort of thing, and you have you know the, the 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 good body of work and stuff to kind of back it up then you know then don't be afraid to talk about it online to kind of send emails speak to speak to people send messages on 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 sort of instagram social media is that sort of thing you know obviously not not kind of spamming if if, if you don't get a reply <laughs> but um you know just not being not being afraid to reach out and say hey look i really like what you're doing as as a promoter as a manager or whatever i really like the artists you work with or the artists you manage I think I could add something there to really help grow their following. I think A, X, B, Y, Z, whatever is really going to help them develop a really clear sort of visual identity and branding and help it become this really recognizable thing. Then, you know, if you think you've genuinely got something to add um, to the to the, to the project or, or, or whatever it be, then again, you know, don't be don't be shy to kind of suggest ideas and say, hey, I think this could really work. You know, it might not always be. A guaranteed yes, and something you should definitely get ready for is is a lot of no's in this industry. I've you know I've had a lot of no's myself in the last six seven months with the company, so that will happen. But you know you will catch a break eventually. You will get that one yes, and if you do keep putting in a hundred percent effort to it, you don't have you know there's there's no way to to predict kind of uh, you know what further yeses you'll get as a result of that. Yeah, and portfolio is important, but it's nothing without a good sense of reputation. Mm-hmm. And, and in terms of like the artists that you work with as well, we mentioned that briefly yeah. earlier on. How how have you got into sort of the more artist management side of things, and how does that convert to the sort of live stuff that you're doing? Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I always sort of thought, you know, maybe when I'm a little bit older, my knees start to give out, then I'll <laughs> I'll start to use all my contacts, and my knowledge to kind of. Uh, invest in 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 artist management and that sort of thing, but um, actually, it's it's happened sooner than I thought, and I mean, it's it's kind of to be expected when you're kind of trying to push it, really, you know, elevate the artists that you work with to kind of them giving fantastic live performances. Um, then actually, what you'll find is. Um, you're finding acts that actually are, are kind of ready for you to step in and sort of take in more of that sort of big brother role. I mean, yeah. so the, the 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 sort of the artist that I manage now is is um is is a lovely woman named sort of Liv Summer, um, and she uh, was was someone that was recommended to me by a, by a friend on the live event management course. She said, "Hey, here's this artist." Um, sort of sad girl indie folk which instantly instantly piqued my interest yeah that was like um, a yes for you yeah I'd, I'd, straight I'd, in 100 percent. if you're if you're in any kind of artist like that please like my dms are open <laughs> um but no and and it was kind of like I, I heard the demos i was like wow this is really interesting i really really like this um popped her a message about uh, an opportunity for an acoustic showcase i was running the sort of first of the um uh, what we call the somber sessions that we want to do, like a sort of similar free entry, pass the hat donation type thing um, to get artist music out there and get them playing, get de- developing their live set. Um, so I had her on for that and I was just like, wow, she was just absolutely unbelievable. And then one of these instant radio nights I was running about a month later, sort of had an artist drop out last minute. I was like, oh, Liv, any chance you're free, love to have you play. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. Um and and she came played you get the initial kind of thing of audience speaking at the start of the start of of the showcase it's that's to be another piece of advice that's to be expected in like free entry pub shows mm-hmm. when you get them to shut up that's that's the glorious part there's and a that's, certain etiquette isn't there yeah exactly you know so long as the the front half of the audience that are sitting next to the artist aren't talking you can win over the back half trust me 
she did this and it was kind of in that moment I, 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 I knew I was like yeah absolutely like this I, I, I can't let anyone snap this up um, and so we've been working together on on kind of um, a whole bunch of stuff like uh, EP plans branding releases launches gig opportunities sync press all that kind of stuff um, and it's you know I've said this to, to people that have sort of asked, like, how, how did you sort of find yourself tripping into management? It's, I don't see it as too much more responsibility than what a promoter does. You know, a promoter's mm. whole job is to sell an artist as a live act, help support them, get people in the room to listening to them, which really is a lot of what a manager does. There's just a bit more kind of admin and emailing and uh, royalties collections and press and sync and that sort of thing. But I mean, you know, a good promoter kind of touches on those elements to a degree, I suppose, even if it's just a, hey, here's this opportunity I heard coming up to an artist that you work with and you think it's going to be good for that, to do that on a more full-time basis and, and to see an artist whose music I, I, I genuinely adore kind of go to that next level. It, um, it's, it's not too far off, I think, don't think, from, from what I'm already doing. Yeah, and I think especially when a promoter is a genuine fan of the stuff that they're putting on and not yeah. just putting on things for the sake of it, mm -hmm. I think that it's so much more rewarding for the artist as well because there's so much passion and there's so much engagement from you and and from other promoters sort of in that in that field that like sort of the folk and, and the indie rock music. Yeah. Um, obviously, not all the time those two go together, mm -hmm. but you're putting on various different nights. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to talk about the ones you've got coming up? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so in terms of stuff announced, we've got a couple of gigs of July that uh, do actually perfectly encapsulate folk and, uh, folk and indie rock. There we are, perfect. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got a show. We're doing our sort of inaugural show in Brighton, which is really exciting for me as I grew up, um, just sort of outside the city and, and attended a lot of live gigs and that sort of thing. Um, as I was growing up there, so to, to be able to kind of sort of come home and, and, and hopefully start a, an illustrious career of promoting in Brighton is, is really exciting. Mm. Um, for a really, really exciting emerging local band um, called Big Head Tea Drinkers coming up with the support of uh, Jazz Beeson, who's someone we've worked with a couple of times together. It's going to be a really exciting show. Um, as well as uh, literally the day after in London, the the uh, the uh, single launch party for um, the band Cayman Radio, really exciting sort of alternative desert rock outfit, kind of bringing back the the sort of the glory days of of uh, bands like Queens of the Stone Age, System of a Down, that sort of thing, um, which is also really exciting stuff that we're looking forward to. And then um, as, a, as a sort of sort of fresh exclusive, what we're what we're hoping to do sort of towards the end of July onto August is 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 have a sort of permanent space to run sort of weekly band nights for kind of any genre that you can think of, you know, whether that be the the kind of classics that somebody's goes go for, like folk and rock, but also things like, you know, pop, R and B, soul, hip hop, any any kind of genre that 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 there is there is an interest for. You know, we are we are hundred percent committed to to making sure it's it's gets justice done and, and uh, we can create a, a space where it really allows um, for the fans of all genres to come and have a really exciting and hopefully, you know, really sort of a night that sticks in people's mind. I mean, there's a lot of exciting things coming up. Uh, where would you want this to go in, say, say, four or five years' time? What would you say is the eventual goal for Samba Discos? Oh, wow, that's, that's an interesting question, actually. Do you know what? I should have a really good answer for you this because we had a whole module about <laughs> where we see ourselves in five years. But, um, you know, I mean, to have, like, maybe not at this stage, like, a venue that I take ownership of. I don't think my... Uh, 
I think my, my imposter syndrome is quite there to, to mm. physically own a property in London. But um, and no, to have like a more permanent home that we, we sort of exist out of to run yeah. all of our acoustic stuff, our band stuff, our big headline shows out of in a space that we can really sort of manipulate and, and, and turn into our own would be, you know, the absolute goal. Somewhere that is just instantly visually recognizable as, as somebody just goes maybe you know getting a logo up in the in the corner or something like the folklore rooms in brighton um but no i i i want the company to be at a stage where we are continuing to really support the amazing talent coming out of the grassroots scene but also kind of stepping up to that bigger sort of mid-sized level of artists just on the verge to sort of major signings or those who have kind of hit their dream sort of independent record label doing you know sort of tour shows for them bigger shows or even sort of more special kind of one-off unique nights kind of like something i'm always talking about is 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 taylor's brilliant brilliant idea of the eras tour you mm. know of, of of having all the kind of visuals aesthetics outfits and the songs of of, of albums from years prior you know, I'd love to to work with really big artists on shows in in you know venues that match the size of their fame at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, fully playing songs from the old albums in the kind of costuming and setup and everything that they would have had at the time, and then kind of you know finding a way to really stick out as a promoter in in, in London. Because again, there's a lot of them. If we can offer a sort of more unique gig experience for those bigger artists, and then also bringing these new emerging independent artists to you know, to be their supports and that sort of thing, really kind of increasing the the synergy of of, of the sort of, you know, the, the bigger independent artists with the real sort of grassroots artists, that would be, you know, a, a real dream of mine to kind of narrow this massive gap between people that are self-releasing off DistroKid and people that are signed to Rough Trade or Belly Union, that sort of thing. We sort of touched briefly on your songwriting roots at the start of the podcast. Yeah. Do, you, do you sort of miss anything like that now that you're pretty much promoting full time would you ever come back to it yeah i mean it's it's um it's something that i still do you know i i use it as free therapy basically of course so uh i uh i'm definitely still writing and it's it's still it's something i've been saying a lot recently like the reason i kind of got out of the mindset of being a full-time professional songwriter musician is actually the 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 sort of the the grind that i was on to start making it as an artist was kind of killing my love for writing for performing and now that I've kind of taken a step back and sort of um safely accepted that my career lies more within uh, business and live and management mm. it allows me the sort of more free time to spend writing when I want to when I want to enjoy it and performing when I you know the the, the kind of gigs that I, I want to play at and I want to enjoy playing rather than just forcing myself to kind of play constantly as a as a means to survive so yeah the, the writing process has continued I have a few ideas for kind of folk and and rock projects that you know might get brought to life in the next couple of years but um no I think I think it's it's still a crucial thing for for anyone that is in the business industry and has either moved from sort of life as a performer songwriter always always kind of found an interest i would say you know carry on with it it's still a fun hobby to have you never know when you might accidentally next uh, you know write the next um massive massive hit with the with the royalty companies that uh funds any kind of crazy business endeavors you have but uh more than that it just kind of you know it keeps the it nourishes your creative soul which i think is so important as someone that you know, has all this stake in in live shows and everything that that an artist needs to survive. You know, I've I've been to shows where 
you can tell the promoters of these shows are uh, purely in it for the money. There's no, there's no creative heart to anything. And I've been to shows where, you know, I've been absolutely floored by the by the tiny, minute details that have gone into, you know, how a lantern's placed at a show that I can clearly tell is is done by someone who who really has a passion for the kind of artistry that, mm. that goes into the music industry. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think most of my time now is obviously taken up by Birdbush and, and the other yeah. sort of creative endeavors that I'm in, but I still always find time to to work on music, whether it's for myself or other people. And I think as a, especially someone who's come into music from that performer's perspective, it can be important to continue that, even if you do go down yeah, the business route. Yeah, you've got route. to. It's, I think it's an important thing to to kind of come into it from from the point of view of someone who really understands what it's like to be a, a performer. I, I try and do that as much as possible with the live shows. I'm always describing myself as an artist first promoter, which, you know, you always naturally are, but, you know, I, I, I try, you know, I'm, I'm more easily able to put myself, put myself into the shoes of someone who, who is on that stage performing and think, you know, how can I improve this experience? You know, what, what more can I add, you know, in terms of value from the company and also to the show itself, which is going to just help give these artists deliver, you know, the, uh, an, a much better performance um, and then just you know tenfold increase their chances of 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 the the label person in the back of the room going yep here's a multi million pound deal yeah and there will always be whether you realize it or not there will always be people who are keeping an eye on you yeah. and watching your career from mm-hmm. from a business perspective and from an industry perspective so yeah. it's important to always present yourself in the best way possible and reach out to people. Play every show like you've sold out Wembley and all of those 80,000 people are label execs, talent managers, booking agents, you know, people that want to see you do well. Mm. Amazing. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. It's nice that we were able to do it for a proper podcast. Yeah. People can find you, as you said, your DMs are open on Instagram at Summer Discos. Indeed. And there's some exciting shows coming up, so watch this space. Killian, thank you very much. No worries. Thanks for having me.